Like I said, it's good to see you this morning. I want to welcome my son and daughter-in-law who are here from Melbourne, Eric and Julia. Yeah, just so you know who these guys are that we make sit on the front row. Only because, yeah, only because they're related to us. <laughs> it is awkward. <laughs> you have to sit here. Uh, as I said earlier, Mary and I were away last week. We were in Sydney for the week uh, before the weekend with uh, pastors and leaders from around Australia. We had an awesome time. Many of you prayed for us. I thank you for that. I was uh, thrilled to see what happened. See, when our leaders get together, we're part of the team, we don't have a theme or something. Everyone comes prepared to share what God's put on their heart, and then we just kind of see how it fits together. So it's kind of like little pictures that create a mosaic. And it was actually amazing how all the different parts indicated something of this, the Holy Spirit's focus on reaching people who don't know Jesus. And uh, it just kind of stunned us and surprised us all that we have to be reminded regularly are we preaching the gospel. Uh, Tim shared a little bit last week. But if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 22. If you don't have your Bible, you can look at this one behind me because Tim is quick and Michelle is handling things. And I want to talk about the new covenant this morning. From verse 14, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. This is right at the end of Jesus' life. Just before the crucifixion, he sits down and he says this, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. That's an amazing term because it actually means to set one's heart upon, eagerly long for. It's actually an expression of passion. Now, it sounds great, except that this is right before Jesus' crucifixion and suffering. And you think that would be what's on his mind, but he's actually sharing something of his passion, his love. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until the fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God has come. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Interesting, if you study Passover and Jewish history, when they shared Passover, they had the cup and the bread that represented the lamb that was sacrificed and the blood spread on the doorpost. But they had another cup that was set aside that was a prophetic statement. They never touched that one. That was a prophetic statement for something in the future. And it's that cup after supper that Jesus takes. And he says, this is the cup of the new covenant. It's interesting when we recognize Jesus' death. What he's saying is that he completed the old covenant and he initiated a new covenant. The old covenant was about righteousness. It was about sacrifice. It was about removing sin. 
It was the Passover lamb, and Jesus completed that so that we could actually have access to God. It's a wonderful thing. When he did that, it was complete. In Hebrews 8.13 and 10.9, it says that that was done. The old covenant was finished. But see, it was never God's plan that we just have sinless people running around. That wasn't the goal. The goal was a new covenant. And while the old covenant was a covenant about righteousness, the new covenant is a covenant about relationship. And so Jesus is saying, I've made the way that we can now come into relationship with God. That's what the completion of the old covenant was. Why did we need to deal with the whole issue of righteousness and sin? Because the Bible says sin makes a separation between us and God. And so before we could come to the place of having intimate relationship, we had to actually deal with the problem that was separating us. And that's what Jesus did. But there's an amazing cultural significance that we often overlook. And that is this meal that they had and the way that Jesus did it was very, very similar in that culture to an engagement. See, when there was a young man who wanted to marry a young woman and the, the fathers had worked it out because they would still, you know, there was the bride price and everything and they'd work it out. And then they'd have this meal. So I'm going to use these guys because they're terribly in love. And so the, the future bridegroom would sit down at the table with his father and the future bride would sit on the other side with her father. And once they'd, by the time they got to this point, they'd already worked out all the, the details. But after the dinner, they'd have this wonderful dinner, and after the dinner, the guy would take a cup and he would extend it across to his future bride. And it was an expression of covenant. And basically he's saying, I choose you. And if she took the cup and took a drink, they were engaged. If she didn't want anything to do with this guy, in much of Jewish culture, she still had something to say about it. And she could just get up and leave. And leave the cup and not take it. Fortunately, Julia didn't do that. I'm grateful every day, Julia. She would take the cup. If she didn't want it, she'd leave. But if she took it, from the point that she took a sip of the cup, they were engaged, but they were in covenant. See, in that culture, covenant began in engagement. In our culture, it begins at the wedding. Engagement, we see as kind of a preface to, but in that culture, once you're engaged, it was as if you're married. And so he would lean across, and all that that entails the whole covenant of marriage that he would basically say, I choose you and everything I am becomes yours. But she gets a new identity, a new name. This is now Julia Doty. She gets a new name, gets a new purpose. The Bible says that the husband would leave his family and the woman her home and the two would become one. They have a joint purpose. And that's the background when Jesus says, this is the new covenant. He's actually saying he's instituting something of 
a marriage-type relationship, a loving relationship. Now, in case you think I'm crazy, well, some of you think I'm crazy anyway, but that has nothing to do with, with what I'm sharing this morning. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33, refers to the very concept of this when it says, sorry, it wasn't 33. Sorry, it is 32. And this is a great mystery. He's talking about husbands loving their wives and wives respecting their husbands. And he says this, it's a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. There's this picture in the Bible of this marriage. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 7 talks about the end of the age, the marriage feast. The marriage supper of the Lamb. It's a, it's a wonderful picture of this. But understand that in this engagement process, if she took the cup and drank from it and they became connected in covenant, the bridegroom would then leave and go to his home. And if he was wealthy enough, he would build a house or he'd build an addition on his parents' house. And when that was completed, he'd come back, and then they would have the wedding. Sound familiar? Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many mansions, and I create. It's all in that concept of covenant. It's all tied in with that. If it were a wealthy family or a royal family, they would often leave an attendant who would assist the future bride in some of the expectations as she became part of this royal family or this wealthy family. Not the bridegroom, but someone who represented the bridegroom who would help the bride prepare and continually point the bride back to the, the wonders of the groom that she was going to marry. Jesus says, if I go away, I'll send another comforter. And he will glorify me. Sound, sound amazingly interesting, isn't it? We're talking about covenant. We're talking about a new identity. We're talking about a new purpose. That's kind of what Jesus instituted when he said, this is a cup of the new covenant. See, what happens is that we tend to recognize the completion of the old covenant, but that's where we often stop. We stop there and we don't recognize the new covenant, which is relationship with him. Did the heater just come on there? Is it necessary? Yeah. Okay. I, I'll, the reason I say that because everyone's head just went up. I thought I was watching a tennis match for a moment. <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Mm -hmm. 
again reaffirming the new covenant. Verse 25, Paul's recounting what he was told in that this cup is a new covenant in my blood. As often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. I want to suggest that when we take communion together, the bread and the wine, we're not just remembering the completion of the old covenant, we're remembering the new covenant. Verse 27, Therefore whoever eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of Jesus. So I was raised in a as I've shared before, an evangelical church. And we used to talk about taking communion in a being worthy. It doesn't actually say whoever takes this who is unworthy. It actually says whoever takes this in an unworthy manner. We used to get focused on introspection. Have I done anything wrong this week? Do I have any sin? Have I hurt anyone? Have I lied? I have to get all this taken care of because I, I want to be worthy. But it doesn't actually say that. It says in an unworthy manner. I don't think it's about being worthy. Because if it was about being worthy, nobody could ever take it. Not in ourselves, but in Jesus. But what's an unworthy manner? I think it could be a number of things. One, I think it's religious ritual. Where we just go through the motions. We just do the religious thing because that's what we've been taught but it doesn't affect our heart. I want to submit to you this morning that communion is not just remembering an event, Jesus' death. It's remembering a person that we're in covenant with. In a very real sense, I think it's similar to an engagement ring when someone gets engaged. Taryn, you have an engagement ring, right? Hold your hand up. These guys are engaged. Got an engagement ring on there that says that they're, she and Tim are, are engaged. Uh, why do we have that? Because it's an indication that she's promised. It's an indication that she's agreed to something. Now, like I said, when for us, the wedding becomes the, uh, the covenant. And so then we have a wedding ring and we indicate that we're in covenant. But from that time, it was the engagement. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that communion is like an engagement ring. It's a reminder that we're in covenant. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. This is the only thing that Jesus said to do in remembrance of him. He didn't say Easter. Go to church once a year. He didn't say Christmas. He said this. Because it indicates something of covenant. Unworthy manner means that we can do it flippantly. Yeah, doesn't mean anything. And there, I just, yeah, that's what, that's what you do at church. I think more than anything, an unworthy manner is not recognizing the covenant that it represents.
an unworthy manner is getting focused on the old covenant and missing the new covenant. An unworthy manner saying is I'm remembering an event rather than I'm remembering that I'm in covenant with a person. Like I said, it's like an engagement ring. But see, something happens, and one of the things we need to, to be reminded of is that when we come into covenant with Jesus, there's huge benefits. Basically, he's then for us, not against us. We have access to the presence of God. But there's some responsibilities as well. See, covenant's two-sided. It means that we take on a new identity, but it also means that we have a new purpose, his purpose. And so I think sometimes we need to realize that communion is also reminding us that we're partnering with him for his purpose. He's not a genie that gets behind us for our purpose, for our goals. No, we live to partner with him for his purpose. What is his purpose? I'm going to give you three things that the Bible says was Jesus' purpose. Matthew 4, verse 43 He said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities because for this purpose I've been sent. What is Jesus' purpose? Preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus preached the kingdom of God and healed the sick to demonstrate the kingdom had come. But then he gave his disciples the authority to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick to confirm that the kingdom had come. So when we partner with him, Part of our purpose is preaching the kingdom. We're going to hear more about this next week, but I want you to understand, that's not the the goal of the preacher. That's the purpose of every believer who's in covenant with Jesus. We have the privilege of declaring the kingdom of God has come. The rulership of God that changes lives. Luke 5.32 says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Part of Jesus' purpose was to let people know that there was now forgiveness offered. The old covenant had been satisfied. The sacrifice had been made. He who knew no sin became sin for us. 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 says, He who knew no sin became, he actually took our sin upon himself so that we could be righteous, the righteousness of God. Let me just read that to you again real quick. 2 Corinthians 5. I know it's in here. Second Corinthians 5.21, and he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's the completion of the old. That's him taking our sin upon himself so we can be the righteousness of God so that we can actually have access. God didn't want just righteous people running around. He wanted relationship with people. And then Luke 19, verse 10. 
Is Michelle quicker with this than I am? You guys are all waiting for me. Says this, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. His purpose was to preach the gospel of the kingdom. His purpose was to call sinners to repentance. And his purpose was to seek and save those who are lost. Lost how? Separate from God. We were made with a capacity, a spiritual capacity for relationship with God, and that was lost. And when we don't have that, what do we do? We try and fill that up with something else. Jesus in his love came to, to restore. So we're going to take communion this morning. I'm going to leave it up here in front. We got bread that uh, was easier to break. We did this before and Tim couldn't get the bread broken. I'm going to leave this in front because I'm going to give you the opportunity to come in just a moment. But what I want you to picture, Jesus leaning across the table, offering you the cup, saying, I choose you. He's already completed the old covenant, and he's saying the new covenant. This is the new covenant of loving relationship. That we can come boldly to his throne room of grace. There's a whole lot that goes with that because we partner with him for his purposes. He empowers us to make change, not only in our lives, but in those around us. He changes us from the inside, not just from the outside. But it's not because we do all the right things. It's not because we've learned religious ritual and we say, if, if I do this and this and this and this and this and this, then God will accept me. It's because Jesus already paid the penalty and he says, I choose you. It's a covenant of love. I'm going to give you uh, two options this morning. There's a, I'm going to leave this one over here. If you've never entered into covenant with Jesus and you'd like to, I'm going to invite you to come over to this table and just say, Lord, I receive. For the rest of us, I'm going to ask you to come here because there's more here (laughs) and be reminded not only of the covenant but of the purpose. Jesus doesn't get in step behind us. We have the privilege of getting in step behind him. But understand this, God's in an all-out search for people who don't have relationship with him. We talk about lost, that's what we're talking about. Not people who don't know where they are, not people whose life might be a mess, but people who don't have relationship with God. So if you've never entered into that covenant, I went to church for 11 years before I met Jesus. I learned a lot of good things, a lot of good religious behaviors. And I was very disciplined, so I could do most of them. But see, it starts with 
relationship with him that brings a heart change. So I'm going to ask Tim to come back just to give us some music. In just a moment, I'm going to, we're going to pray, and I'm going to invite you to just come and take communion. We do it different ways uh, when we have communion. I want to do it this way today. Just as a reminder, I want you to be able to picture Jesus offering you the cup rather than the person next to you giving it to you and saying, I choose you. Lord, we just recognize that too often we've made we've made spirituality and Christianity about some event in the past and Lord we're incredibly grateful that you died on our behalf but we realize that that was the means to the goal that wasn't the goal that provided the opportunity that our sin could be removed so that we can come into intimate relationship with you and so we're just grateful for that we want to be reminded again today of the covenant Lord as we take the cup we're saying yes you've chosen us but we've also chosen you We choose to know you. We choose to partner with you in what you're doing. Lord, thank you. We just stand humbled and amazed that you would love us that much. And so we want to be reminded of the love that you have for us. recognize the concept of God giving his son almost the same as a father giving his son in marriage Jesus was given to us and Lord we don't want to get focused on the trivial stuff we don't want to treat it flippantly we don't want to make it a religious ritual but we take a moment just to recognize that we can have covenant with you. And we respond in that way. Amen. I'm going to invite you.